After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chael. That's mintmobile.com slash chael. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chael. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high-quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This Eufy Lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. What's happening, guys? Happy Tuesday. And thank you for joining another special episode of your welcome. You know, the UFC was off this weekend, but man, it was a busy weekend for combat sports, just like it will be 
upcoming this weekend when Israel Adesanya looks to get his belt back from Alex Pierre in Miami. I'm going to talk about that fight and all the other ones scheduled to go down at UFC 287. Guys, we got storylines and we're going to get to that later in the show. But right now, I'm going to give you an update on Nate Diaz's desire to box and I'm going to give some advice to Darren Till. Before we get to those stories, we have to begin by getting into one of the biggest stories that's ever happened to date. When do you give your best? It's such a fascinating concept in business. I've never seen a book written on this. I've never seen a class or a lecture on this topic, but it still exists. When do you give your best? If you have the ability to give more to your customer right now today, should you? Most of you would say yes. But that's not what happens all around us, right? There's engines out there that can go a million miles. We know that. They put them and have have put them for generations into semi-trucks that got to do long hauls. They have that engine. They could put it in your car, but they don't because they want it to break so then you fix it so that you bring it back. They have microwaves right now that'll last 30 years, but they sell you one that'll last seven. Why wouldn't they sell you the one that lasts 30 years? They need you to come back. Sure, that makes sense. There's tires out there that you would never need to replace, but they sell you the ones that every three years you, you got to replace and bring back. I watch Usain Bolt in the Olympics get a lead, look over his shoulder, and then slow down. Why would he slow down? Well, what does how fast he can get from here to there have to do with the guy behind him? Well, he doesn't want to give him his best. He's not going to give him his best. He's going to give him the best. There's a difference. There's a complete difference in being the best and giving your best. So how do you know when to pull it? Look. There's a lot of promotions over the weekend. And if I was to put a boxing promoter promotion on, okay? And I get I get sat down, I've got the venue, I got the main event, I got budget, I got all the players, I got the commission, I get this thing signed off, and I'm gonna go for it, right? I got these five matches and I'm happy. But somebody in that same room with me says, okay, now take let's take everything you did and let's double it. You had five matches, let's do ten. And then you get somebody else in the room that says, okay, well, now that we're at 10 matches, let's just add three. Let's make it 13 matches. It's very difficult conceptually for you to explain to those two other executives why that's a terrible idea. It's just tough. How, how could it be a good idea at five and it not be a better idea at 10? It doesn't make sense. But it's called the law of diminishing marginal utility. It was one of the very few principles that I learned in my time in business school that actually mattered. And the example that you give so the kids will make it is chocolate cake. You have a chocolate cake. You're going to enjoy those first two and three bites. But 20 bites later, you're doing the exact same thing. You're doing the exact same thing. But you're not enjoying that anymore, are you? You don't want to take another bite. What's the same thing that you couldn't wait to take a bite? It's the exact same thing. Do you see the difference? Do you see where too much of a good thing is not a good thing? And you start to run into that balance. I mean, I watched this crush Triller. I watched Triller put out a product that sent a demographic back 20 years. It was awful. But they did a 1.7. That's a crazy success. If you're in the world of pay-per-view and you can hit a million... You are now breathing very, very rare air. 
you will be looked at by other content creators. As a king, they did damn near double that in one night. How are you going to tell somebody that comes in the room their idea sucks? How? It's one of those things that's just hard to do. Then there's some things that all promoters are going to do. Because I watch box, I watch kickbox, I watch wrestling, I watch judo, I watch jujitsu, I watch MMA. Every new promoter is going to, of course, do the same thing, which is they're going to sell you and promise you something. And when you get there to see it, they're going to make you watch something else. They will make you. I, I tuned in. It was called Beat the Streets. My buddy's putting it on. I donate to it because I care. Oh, by the way, I want to see Jordan Burroughs and Kyle Schneider wrestle. Next thing I know, I'm watching a kid's marching band. First off, the thing starts late. And second off, I'm watching a kid's marching band for eight minutes. Why? Why did I watch that marching band? But everybody will do this. Every promoter will make, they'll, they'll bring in a halftime show without a halftime. You're going to have to see the such and such club out there doing splits and tumbles. You just can't get around it. Now, over the course of the weekend, one of the more fascinating things that I have observed took place, which is Endeavor, the parent company to the UFC, acquired World Wrestling Entertainment. To watch that entire thing unfold was quite incredible. And I used to know more about the WWE. I got out on the WWE. I got out at $33. I got in at $8, so I thought I was brilliant. I got out at $33. They went all the way to $99. So before you think, I, I'm a smart guy. But that also sends me back a number of years. But I thought, along the way, I thought WME represented Vince and company. And I thought Vince left WME for CAA. I believe is at CAA right now. But it was WME that stepped in and bought the deal. I'm close on that. I'm close somewhere with how all of the politics here worked. But when this was absorbed, you have two vastly different products, right? You want to watch wrestling or you want to watch fighting. When you have the big dogs like this, you're going to be able to do just that. You're not going to tune in to a pay-per-view where you were promised either wrestling or you were promised fighting, and you're going to have to watch the kids' marching band like I have to do for every wrestling event ever. I'm not going to have to watch 28 matches before I finally get to Cox and Schneider, right? I mean, it's one of these things where you are going to have a confidence in your product or you aren't, but we're going to trust you either way. You ever met guys like this? There's only three types of guys out there. You got the guy that's ready. How do you know he's ready? How do you know he's ready to leave the classroom, leave the interim shift, step into the real world and be a boss? How do you know he says it? Or you'll have the guy that's got to keep on learning. He wants to do it. He's got a vision. He's got a mentor. He knows what he's going to do, but he's got he's, he's a couple of more classes. He's got, he could probably be up and going by 2024. Probably get his plan out the door. But, he, but he, he's going to take a, a couple more courses until then. And he's got a book that he just ordered for Amazon. Right? You get that guy. Or you have the guy, the third guy. This is the one you don't want to be that blames other people. You've got him. He can't do it. It wasn't enough because somebody else stopped it. But these are your only three types of guys. If you want to know which one you are or how you become a different one, you say it. There is no test. Society doesn't test you. If you say you're not ready, you're not. We'll believe you. But if you step forward with the storefront and you open doors and say you're a business, we will believe you. 
Just so you understand. So as this merger comes about, it was very interesting to me because it was stated that the UFC is now worth $12 billion, which is up 300% in a shockingly short amount of time. I mean, that is a stunning achievement. Stunning. And that the WWE is worth $9 billion. And that's a very interesting juxtaposition, isn't it? So the UFC is worth more than the WWE. That's what we were told. That's interesting to me. What have you guys predicted it? It sure hasn't been around as long. It sure wouldn't have the catalog. It most certainly wouldn't have the library. Not even close to the arm of merchandising. I mean, to the point of merchandising where it's almost non-existent versus an absolute juggernaut. Does it surprise you? Over the weekend, the WWE sold 144,000 tickets. 72,000. And they did, they did a two-night event. Everybody told Vince a year ago, you can't do it. Everybody told him that. Roger Goodell weighed in on it and said, you, do, you can't go back to back. Even if it's a Super Bowl, you can't, you can't do two nights in a row. It was supposed to flop. And if I was to be fair, I didn't think he could do it. I thought it, I, I thought it was a bad idea. But on Saturday, he sold out 72,000 seats in an arena where the people, there's 50,000 people that can't see what's going on. And the next night, they or like-minded people all came back, same price. That's fascinating. Not to mention you can't see, and I'm saying that from personal experience. Jack Hager invited me to the WWE. I, I filled a motorhome up. I got the Roberts boys I got FRB, I'm trying to think, Tate, we drive all the way up there, thinking, we go to Will Call, thinking we're going to have great seats. The guy that was just the champion invited us, the guy that's on the car, we were up the top, there was two rows left, the only person that had worse seats than us, and it was only by one, was Daniel Cormier. I'm in, I'm in the second to the worst row from the top, where I can turn around and touch the wall, the top. But Daniel was at the top, right? So, and, and he also got hooked up by one, it was Seth Rollins hooked him up. So these wrestlers, when they give you they give you garbage, but it doesn't work that way. If I go to Dana for some seats to make me look good, he's putting somebody with that's going to make me look good. I just I share that with you just to be funny. But it's really it's remarkable. You can't see a damn thing. Not only can you not see the action, you can't even see the movie screens. It's so far out. And they still did seventy two thousand people. And then the next night they did another seventy two thousand people. Back when I did it, right? These were comp to me. But I'd gone to a WrestleMania before. It was when Brock Lesnar took on Kurt Angle. It was at Safeco. This is when Lesnar hits the moonsault and basically breaks his neck. I was so high up, and I paid eighty dollars, eighty dollars, and I couldn't see the action. So, I mean, I'm just sharing for you that in today's time frame without even looking, I would imagine we're very safe saying every seat was $100. I mean, let's just say that. That would be that would be the minimum, the cheapest. I'm sure you went all the way to thousands. Let's just say they're $100. $100 times 144000 That's remarkable. For a product that lives in the pay-per-view space, has a meaningful placement on Mondays, comes back again for another product known as SmackDown later in the week for another two hours. That's five hours of content with a pay-per-view every single month. That is shocking. And that lost out in an evaluation to a company that just started in 2001? It lost out by $3 billion? That is shocking to me. It lost out by the value of the Los Angeles Lakers. 
You could buy both the Lakers and them for what the UFC is valued at. That's shocking to me. And that's very fascinating to me. And I heard a comment made. I heard a comment by somebody that I respect. I'll leave their name out of it. But they said that this merger could be the gateway to fighters being paid more. Well, that's a comparison you really don't want to make. See, the only time you can do the fighters aren't paid and the fighters are mistreated, the only time you can do that is with people that don't do math. When you explain that a fighter made $350,000 and he was only called upon three times in the last 12 months, it changes the perception. And if you took all the guys that fight that make $300,000, we'll just use that number, but let's take the same amount. Let's take the same guys that make 300 in the WWE. They go 259s. So now you know, you got one group of guys that are getting paid $115,000 a night, and you get another group of guys that are being paid a little less than $2,000 a night. So you, you can always make those comparisons, and we can always make... MMA and the evil empire, we can do that and we can hit Dana right over the head, right over the head, as long as we continue to do it with people that don't take the time to do math. Game Red Boxing, did you guys watch this over the weekend? I thought they did a great job in a number of different areas. Just getting the distribution and all the different options and platforms is a colossally um, amount of work. It wasn't a ton of time or a ton of resources left over to then come and tell the world that you did it, but everything's got a balance, right? Everything's got a balance. And anybody that was really a hardcore fan, we knew about this. So you're going to have Pettis versus Roy Jones. That's the main event. But there was a fight on there that just had to happen. Jacare versus Vitor Belfort. That fight had to happen. That fight, over the last 10 years, is one of those where you look back and go, how did that get away from us? How have these two never locked up? Even just from the jiu-jitsu worlds of being from Brazil, both going to Abu Dhabi, I would think at the same weight class, right? I mean, maybe I'm going in a different direction here, but... I think you can agree with me. The fact that those two finally got a hold of each other needed to happen, and it was great, by the way. Of everything that happened on that card, though, there was two things that really stood out for me, and it was very serendipitous. Like, these, these were not supposed to happen. Let's start with Jose Aldo and Conor McGregor renewing their beef. And the reason this stood out, did you guys see this? Connor makes a comment. Jose Aldo gets asked about it. Jose goes nuts. He blew his top. It, it, it seemed like just a perfect storm of a situation where Jose was not in the best mood to begin with. And I think that he misunderstood what Connor had said. I don't think what Connor said was bad. I don't think it was ever meant to be bad. Jose blows his top, right? And these two, at least for public appearances, have made as though. They've made up and they've shaken his hand and everybody's chummy. And this was a while ago. And this was a good year ago that Jose came out and was talking about Connor, talking about that experience, and talking about the fact that he finally understood why Connor did and what Connor did and how that was the business side of it. It just looked like everything was smoothed over and, and Jose loses his top. Well, then Connor's got to fire back. And I think that Connor was also surprised. 
I think there was a misunderstanding there. Either way, let's stay on what Jose Aldo said because Jose got asked about Francis Ngannou. And Jose said, and you guys might have seen this, but I will quote, Francis Ngannou shot himself in the foot, leaving the UFC to go to boxing. Now, the reporter that wrote this down somehow did not understand what Jose had just said or why it was so relevant. I then read this on the dirt sheets I go to, and they got a comment section, and nobody in the comment section seemed to understand what Jose said, uh, Jose said or why it was so relevant. Now, let me say it for you again. Jose all the time about Francis Ngannou, and this is while Jose's at a boxing card. He's getting ready to box. A big name and a beautiful placement. I think they were the co-main event. I think they were the co-main, not Vitor Jacare. Just by example, this was a real opportunity. They were throwing some real money around at this. So you have Jose that's actually doing it. Jose left the UFC to go box. Jose Aldo was not cut, if you guys will remember. Andre Pettit, and it might have been looking like eh, th things were on the line over there. But either way, he was not cut. Andre Pettineris went to the UFC and said, could we please have his release? He has an opportunity to pursue boxing. He's still at the age with the right hunger and the right condition. We'd like to do it now. We'd like to do it sooner than later. And the UFC said yes. Now, that's why it's so relevant. Jose Aldo just said that Francis Ngannou should not have done the exact thing that Joe Jay just did. I mean, if there's anybody that would know, can we agree? If there's anybody that would know, it was a guy that's actually getting an opportunity in a co-main event spot for a whole bunch of money on pay-per-view against a meaningful name in Jeremy Stevens. With all of those things present, Jose still said it was a mistake. I'd like to know why. And the reporter didn't follow up. The reporter didn't follow up, and I believe it's because his brain didn't work fast enough to realize this is coming from a guy who's doing the exact same thing. I think he should have asked him, why? Why do you believe it's a mistake? What is it that you've uncovered? What experiences did you have as champion of the UFC versus free agent who raised his hand and said, I've never boxed before, but I'd like to? It would have been a very compelling answer. Because it seems as though all of us, right? I, I don't know that I've ran into one person that thinks Francis Ngannou made the right decision. I, I don't know that I've seen that person. However, we're not far enough along to know that he didn't. I mean, at, at this point, we are just hedging bets. We're, we're just making predictions. We're going to need a period of time, which is probably going to be called 2024. If, if we're at this point a year from now, yeah, it was botched. It was a, a, a massive mistake. But we might not be. Something that will be very compelling for me is if Francis returns to MMA. That one's going to be very compelling. And there is no MMA organization out there that can pay him what he was already offered at the UFC. Now, while paying him less, they could give him a contract that he liked, which had a carve-out so he can go and make up a sport with Fury. And maybe that's what's really important to him. I'm just sharing with you, I haven't seen anybody yet, and this even came from Jose Aldo, who was in the exact same spot, was with the exact same company, asked for the exact same release to go and do this exact same thing, and at his own press conference... For a fight that paid him a bunch of money and was only a day away, he said it's a bad move. He said he shot himself in the foot. I would just like to hear more why. I got a call over the weekend telling me it was a done deal. Tyson Fury 
versus Francis Ngannou, Wembley in May, right around the corner, in May. I was told this was done, but I told my source, hey, check a calendar that sounds like some residue left over from an April Fool's joke. You had a, you had a number of fighters doing this. It was so embarrassing. I was so embarrassed for these guys. Like, if you're a fighter, you got a good healthy ego, and you are for sure a narcissist. I mean, you, you just would be. Guys that don't want a team, they don't want a sport, they want to do it all on their own. They, they sound like it's courage. They're a narcissist. That's okay. It's okay. But guys that can't hide it, like, I'll tell you one. I mean, it was truly uncomfortable. Frank Bruno, do you guys remember him? Frank Bruno is the guy, one of many guys. Bruce Seldon, Frank Bruno, like these guys came right along. That pretended to be knocked out by Mike Tyson. Frank was a, was a British fighter, and he was big, and he was beautiful. He said all the right things at a press conference, took some punches that did not land, and went down until the referee caught the 10. And I would tell you more about Frank if I knew more about Frank. The, the day I heard of him was the day that he got Mike Tyson. I saw him do one fight. He threw it. Guys, I was in college. This was 97? 96? Frank, he comes out on... April Fools and tells the world he's in training. He's accepted a fight with Jake Paul. And and people wrote the story. They believed that it was true. I mean, just so you understand. I mean, if there's ever a time that you're, you're looking for attention, we had other guys doing it. I'm not going to name them. It was embarrassing. Guys acting as though they were going to go and compete in something, get the whole world excited, and, and, and then they go, ah, I'm just kidding. It's an April Fools joke. You don't actually get to see me perform. I, now they've just made a fool of the whole. Like, who are we laughing at here? Are you laughing at that event? You're above it? Is that why it was a joke? You're above going and doing this event? You're too cool for this event? Like, what, what part is the joke? And I'm only telling you that because that did catch a little bit of waves. If, if you guys saw that out there, if Francis and Tyson and they got it worked out, and I know that Ukrainian with the weird voice, he, he, he appears to be pushed to the side, so there's some things that look to open up, and May's right around the corner. I think, I think it's an April Fool's joke. I can't imagine that a secret kept that well would surface with the anonymity of a screen name and, by the way, on the first day of April. So, I think Jose, final analysis, I think Jose misunderstood Conor McGregor, and I think that Jose should have been asked the follow-up question since what he described for Francis was exactly the path that he himself is on. Chandler versus McGregor, the ultimate fighter. What are you guys thinking about this? You gonna watch it? You excited? I felt like it brought a life back to the ultimate fighter. I mean, just like the world around me, but I could feel it. From the time this got announced to the time that this went down, to the time that Danny Rube got pissed off because three guys got bounced and three Irishmen came on to the fact that Dana White guys to go on Pat McAfee talk about the very thing. I mean, I could just feel it. I, this was all around us. Conor McGregor versus USADA. Throw that in as an added bonus. I feel as though it's going to be big. People are going to tune in. People are going to watch it. Something's up. And I must tell you, I have a deal in life with everybody that I know. But 
The second floor at the UFC would be no exception. I have a deal. If you tell me, I will tell nobody. If I got to figure it out on my own, I will tell everybody. I think that that's a very reasonable deal. I actually got that from my mom, by the way. I had a deal when I was growing up. My mom wanted to know things. She knew that not every day is perfect. She knew that sometimes you did things you weren't supposed to do. But you got to tell her. She doesn't want to hear about it from someone else. She doesn't want to hear about it from a teacher that calls or a coach or somebody around town that saw you. It's a deal she had with my sister and I. You come to me, you tell me. I might not like it, but you won't be punished for it. If I find out on my own, it's going to be a wrath of God coming down on you. It's just, but, but, but I only share that because something is very clearly off and you can't keep a secret in this business, right? The only way you can keep something to yourself is if you're the only one that knows and you don't blab. That's it. You can't keep a secret. It was an amazing thing, truly an amazing thing that Colby Covington got to England did a training camp, got the weight off, got on a jumbo jet, got picked up at the airport, got taken to a hotel, and got hidden until the weigh-ins. Shocking. Because we just can't keep a secret. I just, I just offer you an example. We just can't do it. Francis Ngannou goes over to England, jumps in the ring with Tyson Fury. Whatever that was, it was amazing. And by the way, it would be very hard to hide Francis Ngannou. Like, I would love to know the Secret Service mission that took place to pull that off and keep it quiet. And the reason I say that, my, my entire point for that, just make sure that you do understand, there's not a lot of conspiracies out there. We have them and they're fun to talk about, but you kind of want to disclose that to the audience, uh, audience up front. We just don't have a lot of them. And we don't have a lot because it wouldn't work. You, ju you, just, you couldn't pull a caper in this space. The athletes within this space will expose their own business. You cannot trust them. They have no idea what works or why it works. So they wouldn't even know that they were exposing the business. They wouldn't know that they were doing something terrible that is going to be detrimental. They're dum-dums. I mean, they are, but they really are. And I say that to you because you need to be objective about the thoughts that I'm about to have. And the thought that you should have is to be pretty skeptical and chill. Eh, chill, there's kind of a lot on that. I, I don't know. Conor McGregor and Chandler have gone and done the Ultimate Fighter. Apparently, they had something happen between them. It leaked. It got to the media. They're going to have some kind of a something. They've touched each other. They've pushed. They, they, they've done something. And that's good heat. When, when you see two professional fighters fighting where they're not supposed to be, it is compelling. But also, when you have two guys who are in leadership positions... Right, I mean, they, they, they got, this isn't a matter of the, of the figurative kids are watching you. No, they're there. They're there right now. They're literally watching you. So you kind of want to have, there's a, there's a good behavior, there's a maturity that you need to have. And one thing about the Ultimate Fighters, it's, all, it's always been about the coaches. And I, I think that's a miss. I don't know that I have ever tuned to see that. I, I can't remember a season, Ever. Where that was it. I, I do remember a season where Chris Lieben pissed on somebody. And I do remember a season where Junie Brownie got drunk. I do remember the season that Kenny Florian was a 45-pounder and he was competing at middleweight. I do remember the time that, that Josh Koscheck eliminated Lieben and told him to get a bus ticket and go home. I mean, I remember the actual fights. 
remember the actual beefs between the guys, but somehow there's always a thought of let's do it between the coaches. The coaches don't ever need to fight for the ultimate fighter to work, just so you understand. The coaches don't ever need to touch each other. That that was a misbelief on day one, and then the ultimate fighter worked, and so they, all the ideas, you, you keep them all. Uh, nobody in production is ever going to be bigger than that. It, it is literally what ended Triller. Triller comes out with a debacle of a show known as Tyson versus Roy Jones, but they do a 1.7. It's one of the most successful fights in history. So now every idea that you have, you think is going to be a good one, right? We got to throw it to this guy and he's singing rock and roll. And this guy's rapping in a slap contest. With a, it, it, it got weird. I'm only sharing that because Chandler and McGregor, something isn't right. It's just, it's not right. They don't have a venue. They don't have it on sale. They don't have a weight class. There are three people that would be involved in what weight are they going to fight out? Dana White, Michael Chandler, and Conor McGregor. Each of them set a different number. I mean, they literally don't know what weight they're fighting at. So, we're told by USADA, 180 days. That is not, if you want to get legal minds and people that, that, that have knowledge of the contract, that is not completely accurate. It does not have to be 180 days. But USADA came out and said it was going to be. And that puts them in a wildly difficult spot. This is a PR company as much as anything else, right? Why do you think you get the jacket and the t-shirt with the 10 times and all these different... It's a PR company. It is going to be a very big run back if they don't get their way of 180 days, which, by the way, they're not entitled to. It's not what the contract says. There is exceptions. Conor McGregor is the one that's right. But hold that thought. Whatever that is, so whenever this fight is going to be, whatever, I told you they don't have a venue, they got a venue. Told you they don't know when they're fighting, they know when they're fighting. Bet your ass they do. But they haven't told us. And it runs into a situation where Chandler, who's very excited about this, Chandler positioned himself and worked hard, and he's got the level of excitement, he's got the people behind him. I mean, Chandler... Chandler's great. Isn't Chandler great? But Chandler really did a good job in getting this match. And then a lot of people thought, well, the wrestler versus striker, and that just won't work. And then Eddie Alvarez weighs in, who's fought them both, and says, yeah, you guys got it wrong, except it favors the Irishman. I mean, this is, this, everything here works. Everything here works. Do you think that Chandler is going to let it ride? Do you think that Chandler, who's putting his life on hold, this is still a contender. This is still a meaningful guy. He's got a lot of dreams left. He's not looking to burn clock. Do you think that Chandler is going to sit on the sidelines hearing that there's a massive discrepancy between the participant himself and Conor McGregor and one of the authoritative bodies, the United States Anti-Doping Agency? Do you think he's going to sit and hear that? Do you think he's going to sit in here? We don't have a venue. We don't know where we're fighting. We don't know what country we're fighting in. And that he's going to just stay positive? Do you think that Chandler didn't hear what I told you was said? Which is, he thinks the fight's at 55, and McGregor says it's at 70. I mean, he's going to call that out eventually.
Matter of fact, we just had an athlete put in the same spot. His name's John Jones. John Jones came to the public and said, Stipe is wasting everybody's time. This fight isn't going to happen. It's not going to happen because of him. And he keeps telling you it is. He's wasting your time and he's lying to you. That was blasphemy to say about Stipe. But John called it out. And what happened within 24 hours? We got digital artwork of a poster between those two, complete with a venue and a date. Within 24 hours of John Jones calling it out, the dumbest guy in the room knocked it out of the park just by coming and calling it out. But Chandler hasn't done that. Don't you believe that he would? If you were in Chandler's spot, your clock is ticking. You're not in Connor's spot. You're not a former, all these world championships and $100 million sitting in the bank and you could ride off and go. He's not in that spot. He's fighting for a living. Do you think he's going to burn clock at 36 years old for an opportunity that doesn't look, according to anything we've seen, like it's going to happen? The drug testing body says no. Just so you understand, venue hasn't been announced. A weight class hasn't been picked. Do you think that Chandler's going to just sit there and not call it out? Like John did a week ago. And you saw how effective it was. Do you not think that Chandler's going to go to the media and say, hey guys, something here is off. Happy to do the ultimate fight. I don't mind this Connor business, but something here is off. And I'm not going to just keep waiting. I'm not going to just keep waiting. I've now waited three months, by the way. Three months of Chandler knowing that this was going to happen and they don't have a date. They don't even have a weight class. And you're allegedly not one second closer. Allegedly, because you've got the six-month clock that is dangling over us. Or it's not. Or none of those things are true. There is a date. There is a weight class. There's a round set. There is a venue. And it hasn't been told to us. And there would be very good reason that it wasn't. Because the day that that is told to us comes one of the great fights of the last decade. UFC versus USADA. This Saturday, the action-packed UFC 287 fight card finishes with an epic rematch. Longtime rivals Alex Piera versus Israel Adesanya. They are going to face off again for the middleweight world championship. Throw down for your shot to win big with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet just $5.00 on a pre-fight money line and get $150 in bonus bets if their fighter wins. Plus, all customers can get closer to the octagon excitement with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. Combine multiple UFC 287 bets into one shot for an even bigger payout. I've got to tell you, Adesanya and Piera are almost even money. Adesanya is actually the favorite. And guys, don't forget, this isn't just the second time they've competed. It's the fourth time overall because they did two kickboxing matches. All of them favored the underdog, Piera. All you got to do is download the app right now and use the promo code CHAIL. New customers can bet just $5 on a pre-fight money line and get $150 in bonus bets if their fighter wins. This Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook with code CHAIL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details.
Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. I hear about people standing in line or waiting on hold for hours. Guys, that sounds awful. Here's where game time can save you the trouble and the stress. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They have killer deals on last minute tickets and with their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped up for the fun that you're about to have. The Game Time app is really easy to navigate through. Just search for the event and you will find the best tickets available. You can even see the view that your seat is gonna have in the app, which is very helpful. Forget the pressure of planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event, and their Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. That's really generous of them. Guys, snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code CHAIL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem with code CHAIL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Is Nate Diaz playing hard to get? How do you like that for a question? Nate Diaz is so incredibly sought after. Now we know without even being given information, we know without hearing any rumors, we just know as reasonable people that follow this sport that Nate's got options right now and he's got more than one. He's got more than two. We know that that phone is ringing, right? Okay. Logan Paul came out over the week. It was last week's news. Building into WrestleMania, Logan Paul went and did some interviews, but he did say that he had a deal done with Nate. He thought it was done. He said that. Talking about himself. However far they were along, in his mind, that fight was done, but it ended up not being so. And you do wonder, is Nate playing hard to get? When Nate has so many options, guys, you, you remember the rumor that we all believed to be true? It was never fully confirmed by Nate, but we did believe it to be true, that he was even starting his own promotion. I remember Brett Okamoto uh, tweeted out that Nate Diaz was going to be, or was expected to be applying for a promoter's license within the coming week. And we, I personally assumed that that was in California, but I was hearing some of these rumblings. If you asked me to predict what Nate was going to do, I would have told you that he's the leading candidate to fight Conor McGregor when Conor returns. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, came the Chandler and the Ultimate Fighter. Now, now we're in a different direction. But then there was also talk of Nate, Japan, and Floyd Mayweather. So I don't know where we're at with the Floyd experiment. Like, Nate versus Floyd, as silly as that is, it's got a massive tie-in. It's got a massive tie-in with Conor McGregor. And just, there is something about that. But then Floyd had gone over and took on Chambers in the UK. And everybody involved in that lost their shirt. 20,000 seat venue, 2,000 people show up. Most of those tickets go right. It was a disaster. 
And I mean, it, it's, it's no different than any principal entertainer. Your quote for your next one is going to be directly tied to the results of your last one. So then you start to wonder, is, is, is it over for Floyd? Is that charade done? It's not, and I hear some of you say, no, the money team will put it on. The money team's not real, just so you understand, okay? That's not, they're not real. They have t-shirts and hats. The money team is not actual promoters. They have never put anything on, and they have no ability to put it on. But if you want to write the check and do it, they will barge in and make you hang their banner up. They're not real. Okay, just hold that thought. Between the Paul brothers, which one would be better for Nate to fight? Now, Jake was the one that was very clear, I would like to get some business going with Nate. I would like to get some business going with Nate to the extent that I'll even do it in MMA. So we're in pretty solid ground. It looks as though we're kind of going in that direction. You have the Will Flurry versus Jake. I forget that that even happened. I don't hold that against Jake at all. Not even, not even a little bit. Perhaps I'm missing something, though. Perhaps my thumb isn't on the pulse and... And you guys do. Connor going off with Chandler. Floyd being in this weird limbo where it looks like those fake matches finally bit him in the ass. And what does Nate want to do? It's a very interesting spot. I don't know that there's a wrong answer out there. I mean, I'll give you a great example. You don't want to see... Tommy Flurry fight anybody, right? Tommy Flurry has no fans. There, there's nobody demanding to see him fight. But if I told you that he was going to fight Nate Diaz, your mind would change instantly. It's very different. And there's a, a big opportunity there, right? For, for, for Nate to go in there with Jake when Jake is coming off a loss, it's just, it's, it's, that is not generally what Nate Diaz does. Nate usually finds a guy when the guy is at his best, when the guy is at his hottest, when he's got the momentum, when every, every wind is at that guy's back, that's when Nate comes in. So it would be a very interesting swerve if Nate went in there with Tommy and dismissed, dismissed Jake Paul. Now, the other side of it is Jake could be the promoter that was putting the whole thing on. I'm just suggesting for you, in the world of options... I think that it's rather compelling. But out of nowhere, the other brother, Logan, comes in and says, no, that was going to be my fight. Then the problem is that for that interview, Logan was out promoting professional wrestling. You never know what's real when it comes out of a professional wrestler's mouth. Do we now put Logan in that same category? Is he still the same BS artist? Well, maybe, maybe not. But generally, Nate Diaz would have called him on it. Nate would have heard that. Nate would have seen that. Nate would have said no. And that didn't happen. So it looks as though maybe there was some accuracy to that. But I will tell you, I like the way Nate's doing it. It feels very different the way Nate is doing it. It has a real positive feel to it. There's nothing about it where you're kicking him in the ass, speeding him up, hurrying him along, telling him, hey, I'm, I'm no longer in for the ride. Like, if Nate was to announce and go to a fight, okay, fine. But it, but if there's just talk out there of guys want to fight Nate, okay, fine. It's, it seems to just work the same. And there was no bridge that was burned. And that's why it feels different. It feels different purely because of the post-fight speech that Nate gave. 
Well, in the octagon, and everybody thinks this is the big breakup. And one of the things that came out of his mouth is he said, I'm going to be back. Be watching you boys in the meanwhile. Let you guys figure it out who's grabbing the torch, but I'm going to come back. I'm going to take it back. And that just changed the mood everywhere. It changed to where now the whole community supports him. Changes it to the fact that he and his brother pop in a month ago and the UFC's production team put him on camera. Changes everything, changes every piece of that field. So is Nate playing hard to get? Yeah, I think so, yes. Combine some topics here, okay? We got to combine a co-main with a main event. Of course, I'm talking about this Saturday. Let's start with DraftKings. This is even money. I'm talking about Piera. I'm talking about Izzy. And guys, don't forget this is a rematch. The last match that both of them had was this match against each other at the same weight class. Doing the same thing. The venue's different. They're going to be in Miami. Last time they were in New York. But I bring that to you because Izzy was a two and a half Two and a half to one favorite at DraftKings. And everybody was armed with the fact that these two had met up twice before and they both went Piera's way. And as beautiful as Izzy's record is, Piera was getting a run of his own. I mean, they both cleaned out sides of the bracket. Everybody understood this and still had it two to one favoring Adesanya. Now, who do you think the favor is as DraftKings right now? Who do you think? Don't look it up. Who do you think is the Adesanya? Izzy, having lost twice going into their last match, but now having lost three times, two by finish going into the fourth match, you still think he's going to win. I just think that's interesting. Now, they're damn near even money. It's like a plus 140 to a, to a minus 120. The way that I speak, that's just, that is as close to even as there is. It does fall on the side of Adesanya being the favorite, but it, it looks as though you guys think we got a much closer match here, much more competitive. You can see a path to victory for Alex Piera. Okay. One thing that must happen, it must, and it could be done by anybody, but the clock is ticking. Okay, this, is, this has to be done. Is Adesanya and Piera are going to settle their dispute here. A lifetime of dispute. Four different competitions, taking this guy's money, taking this guy's opportunity, going back and forth at each other. Two different sports. One weight class, same path, but it all gets settled here. Whether you think that's fair or not. Like by example, if Izzy wins, there's some people that are going to say, well, he, owe, he owes him three matches. He owes him a rematch. If Izzy's going to win, we have to agree that we settled the dispute here. Period. It would be foolish for Piera to make the claim. I think it would be, I mean, Dana's almost got to. Booking rematches and putting guys out there with one another. I mean, it's it's one of these spots. And Piera, I apologize, and Adesanya's got to know it. I mean, he's got to make this perfectly clear. There's no other opportunities. The only thing that didn't get Volkanovsky over the hump in his fight with Islam is that he didn't have to win. Volk did not have to win. Regardless of the outcome of that match with Islam, Volk wakes up tomorrow world champion. And that's a problem. 
Regardless of the outcomes, Volk's next match gets participation points on the back end. It's a main event. And you just got to understand that. He should have walked away from the 45-pound belt. I'm not telling you that that's what I would have done, by the way. I know that there's a real discussion there and there's a career. I'm, ju I'm just sharing with you. The senator does not get elected president unless he resigns the senatorship. It, it's got to make it clear. This is what I'm going to do. And not moreover, this is what I believe I'm going to win. And I'll show that by giving this job up. And somewhere, Adesanya must put himself just in the frame of mind that this is it. That is my suggestion and that is my belief. And as I speak to you about that and I look at the line at DraftKings, I come across an interview with George Masvidal. Now Masvidal is going to be taken on Burns, but there's a lot on Masvidal here. Masvidal is the BMF champion. Masvidal is a multiple time Contender for the world championship. And by the way, the guy that was stopping him from getting it is no longer there. I mean, Masvidal's path, it's similar to Colby's. In that regard, it's very similar where you think a guy can't return to a world title fight because, because he can't take on a, a certain guy that's not there anymore. I mean, there's some opportunity that has opened up. Masvidal is fighting in Miami. Big deal. Proud Cuban descent. He's from Miami. That's who he represents. When you talk to Masvidal, that's what he talks about. He believes that's his town. And even if Gilbert Burns is living right up the road, the heat is still on Masvidal. And it's a very difficult match. Masvidal said, I'm going to punch him in the face. And when I get tired of punching him in the face, I'm going to punch him in the face some more. And when he expects me to punch him in the face, I'm going to punch him some more. When he doesn't expect me to punch him in the face, you, want, you guys want to guess? You want to guess what he's going to do next? He's going to punch him in the face. Okay. But in the same interview, Masvidal said he gets tired and he breaks. You put pressure on him, he will quit talking about Burns. But you want to know, you want to know what else Masvidal said? Masvidal said, if I don't beat him, I'm done. And he used a, a slightly different word. It was, it was along the lines, if I don't beat him, I'm pretty much done. It's still a very powerful way to speak. I think it's appropriate. And I also think he's right. Masvidal is a contender, for sure. If he's not getting through Burns, who is not even in talks to get a title fight, probably should be, but he's not in talks to get a title fight. That's looking at Blahal, that's looking at Colby Covington, just by example. Where's Kamara Usman going to land? then I would understand the point that Masvidal's making. Where do you want to go on the card, right? I mean, a year ago, Masvidal was the sport's second biggest draw. He's still up there somewhere. He's still very high, particularly in the absence of Nate Diaz. George might still be the number two guy. He's not the main event in his home, hometown. Can't get around it. He just can't get around it. You want to know where you stack up? You want to know where your importance is? You want to know how much you're getting counted on? It's your card placement, not your ranking, not even your purse. So I don't say that to give Masvidal a hard time. I say that to compliment him. I believe that he's being very aware. He's 38 years old. He's fighting at home. That Everything's on the line. Thinks he should be in there for the world championship. Is planning to be. He's planning that he's going to go and train and Colby's going to pull out and he's going to be the one to step in there with, with Leon. That's a very solid plan, by the way. 
That kind of stuff happens all the time. And for the guy that's ready and the guy that's looking at it, I'm just sharing with you, but he's got to get through burns. And he's admitting if he doesn't, it's a problem. But one thing that will help him to get through burns is understanding that if he doesn't, it could be the end of the line. Being very aware of that, stating that. Burning his ships, no options, nowhere to go. It's a very compelling stance by Masvidal. I don't know that that's going to change your opinion, or now you think he's even more likely to win the fight. But I will tell you what, as I look at DraftKings specifically, and I look at the main event with Adesanya and Pierre, which we've seen three times, we're getting ready to see a fourth. You guys who have parted with your hard-earned money, fighters say things, promoters say things, other fighters say things. When other fighters make a prediction, all that is, if I ask you between A and B, you're a fighter, and ask you between A and B who's going to win, all you do when you answer that is tell me who you like more between A and B. Who you have more of a relationship with A and B. You cannot get a fighter to give you a fair and straight analysis. It's never happened. It won't, You can't get a commentator who used to be a fighter to give you a straight analysis. It's never happened. It is a popularity vote. But you want to know who doesn't lie. You want to know who doesn't get it wrong. You want to know who does not just say things? You guys. Not when you go into DraftKings, not when you part with your money, not when you push that button. You are genuinely and sincerely showing a belief in your prediction. And you guys have it damn near even money. And I will just tell you, as the days are ticking down, if Adesanya grabs that microphone he goes on to Twitter and he types it out. If he puts it into the universe, it will change things. He's got to say it, but once he says it, it will change things. It will change his mindset. It will change his approach. And I'll tell you right now, it will change the line at DraftKings. Darren Till, guys. Till's meaningful. He's a meaningful character. He's a meaningful participant. I, I thoroughly followed Till's career. He, he, he brought me in. And I don't believe that he debuted against Cowboy. I, I don't think he did. But I had never seen him fight before. That was his debut for me. Main event. Opposite Cerrone. And weren't they fighting? They weren't at 55. Were they at 70? Did Donald go up for that fight? So, I mean, he splashes onto the scene, right? Splashes into the main event fight. Never heard of the guy before. He's, he's in there with a the Hall of Famer. It's just this interesting thing. You remember that? He was 25 years young. And I called him. Right after that fight, I, call, I used to do guests on my podcast. Every day. Every day I'd have some kind of a, a guest on and guy reaches out to me on DM on Twitter. Hey, you got to get Darren Till on. He's from my hometown. He did a great job. I said, man, I'd love to have Darren Till. I just, I, I watched his fight over the week. This was a Monday. He fought on a Saturday. Guy sends me his number. I call him out of the blue. I just call him on my phone. He answers. And I could hear noise in the background. Like he was at the gym. I could hear that bell and ding, ding, ding. And I felt what, what sounded like jump ropes and what sounded like mitts and bags being hit. It was just one of these interesting things. He was already back. He answers the phone. It was like 9 a.m. wherever he was. And he was very friendly to me. And I said, man, you, but you've got to be very proud of yourself. You must have been surprised. And that was the one thing that he corrected me on. 
And he said, no, I, fu- I fully expected, I knew that that was going to happen. And, and I could tell by the way he said it, that was real. He did not feel the pressures of walking into a main event, of taking on a guy who he most certainly looked up to. At 25 years old, yeah, you look up to Cowboy Cerrone, absolutely. Not to mention it was scheduled for potential five rounds. That's intimidating for anybody, particularly a guy that's not in the five-round club that does this on a level of notice that's very short. I mean, it's a really interesting thing, but it's a really interesting perspective into Till's mind. Till then did an interview, and he was talking about what got him into MMA, how he got in there in his first days in the gym, and he name-dropped. He said, and there were some names that you would know. There's three, four guys from that gym that went on and fought in the, the, the strike force and the pride and the UFCs of the world. These were the name guys. But they looked at him as a fresh meat, and they, they just abused him. Abused him. And I've seen that before. I don't like that. I have, I have witnessed that, though, a number of times where some stud, some experienced guy in the room, and somebody comes in and, you know, it's their first day, and you t- you take advantage of him. I've seen that. Phil Baroni knocked out Johnny Hendricks. It was Johnny Hendricks' first day. Should have even been sparring. Ends up sparring the New York baddest, and Phil knocks him out. So I, I just share for you, like, I, I've seen these things in gyms. Well, speaking of Phil, I was there the day that he and Evan Tanner had to be separated by Randy Couture. Phil ends up leaving the gym Goes right to Joe Silva, books the match. I was there the day that thing came. I'm just sharing with you. When you're in the gym, those kinds of things bother me. It bothered Till, too. And you know what Till did? Till trained until he was good enough to go back and wear out every one of those guys that did that to him. And he did. And it was a very interesting look into the mindset I got to hold it till early, guys. He fought on a Saturday. I'm talking to him Monday. I share that with you because it was some of the process and some of the media that bit him in the ass. When I spoke to Till 48 hours after very successful main event victory over a Hall of Famer. That's when I had the real Till. And that is the mindset that today's Till needs to get back to. He needs to look back at himself. He gets to be his own idol. He gets to be his own mentor. What was I thinking? What was I doing? What made me think that way? And what made me do it that way? Where was I training? What was I eating? What, was I, what songs were I listening to back then? What was my favorite restaurant back then? Anything that he can do. What are the clothes that I used to wear? What car did I used to drive? What time did I usually go to bed? Who were my friends? What TV shows was I watching? Anything that he can do, anything that he can remember to recreate that time, he needs to shut off the noise, quit talking to people, and get back to that. To himself. Because he wasn't working. He wasn't hustling. He wasn't trying to do interesting interviews. He wasn't trying to look like bravado. He was answering the questions that I asked him. He was answering questions. And by the way, guys, you know I'm telling you about this interview? Because I was so new to podcasting, I screwed up recording it. I screwed it. You've never heard it. Nobody ever heard this. In- I, should, I should add that. It's a very relevant part. You guys never heard this interview. Nobody did. Because of a technology issue on Ch- I just started doing this. I screwed it up. So you don't know what I'm talking about. You don't know what I heard. You don't know the confidence, not to mention the calmness. It's how I knew. This wasn't bravado. 
This wasn't a guy that was high on life because he had, he had this big victory. That's not what, that was, what this was. This was a guy who had a very clear path. He knew what he was going to do. He knew who he was going to bring along, who he was going to train with, how he was going to do it. I say that because those things aren't true now. It is not as clear who Till is going to do it with. It is not as clear who he's going to train with. It is not as clear the confidence and the belief that he had in himself. It's just not. It's not for a lot of guys. You change. You change over time. And one thing about Darren Till, I feel as though he uses his interviews as of late, and as of late, I'm talking about for about two years, as counseling sessions. I think Till's a little too honest with us. I think he's a little too honest with himself. You'll hear people tell that all the time. You gotta be you gotta have confidence, you gotta be honest with yourself, you gotta be real objective. Bull crap. You need to be very careful what you let into your bubble. Including an outright denial of something. Something that ha- did not, no, didn't happen. But you gotta block, sometimes you gotta block it. You got all these things to be confident about. Yeah, this one, yeah, this one slipped in. You block out, throw it out. You control that bubble. And there's a lot of brainwashing that has to go on. When you hear about self-affirmations, you hear about meditating, or you hear about visualization, those are beautiful words for brainwashing. But sometimes you got to do it to yourself. And I feel as though Till got a little bit too honest. I almost watched it happening. I could watch these interviews, and then I could see a performance that was off. Nights that Till would win. There was things within the performance where I would see him in different moments shut down. The opponent didn't capitalize. The opponent didn't know that Till had opened the window for him. But I did. As a fellow competitor, I did. I saw it. Even if he got through it, even if he reset. And I only share with you, early in his career, as he was making his first and initial run to a world championship at 170 pounds, which the organization fully thought he was going to win. This guy was hot. It was just a little bit different. And Till's come out now. Till said, just yesterday, he said that he is going to be back in the UFC and he's going to need two to three years. He isn't sitting out and he's not retiring. He's going to fight. He's going to fight on the open and regional circuit. And no matter what opportunities come up, no matter how much, how much money he makes, he's going to leave it. And he's going to go back to the UFC and he's going to pursue the belt. This is what he said within the interview. And I don't have a tremendous problem with that, right? I mean, a guy that's got a two-year plan, a three-year plan, a five-year plan, I think those are good and responsible things. A guy that's still got a vision, he's still got the eye of the tiger. I think that those are good and responsible things. But most people will have to look to somebody else that's done what it is they want to do, and then copy them. That would be their idol. That would be who they admire, who they're trying to be like. Till's in a unique spot. Because all he needs to be like is himself at 25. Things changed. I, I, I watched this unfolding. I watched it unfolding when Till kept moving around where he was training. Really, really bad sign. No matter how good those guys are that you're training with, it's a really, really bad sign. 
Whatever Till did on that first day where those four big-name guys took advantage of him and, and got him motivated, wherever he went, wherever he trained to get ready, get his body right, get his mind, to go back in there and wear all four of them out. And he did, and he named their names, by the way. They're names that you know. He named their names. So this, is, this isn't just talk. That happened. He needs to go back and remember who that was, who he worked with, what he did, what drove him, what pissed him off. How many times a week did he go get a run? How many times would he stop what he's doing and get down and do those push-ups as you had that certain hunger? I don't know the answers to that, but he knows the answers, and he's in a unique spot. He's in a unique spot because having access to the mentor that he needs is nothing more than turning off the TV, stopping the noise, closing your eyes, and going back. Then you got to believe in that guy. Got to believe in that guy. Got thrown out of that room. Got punked by four dudes. Got better and walked back in that room by himself. If Till goes and finds that guy, if he quits using interviews as counseling sessions, if he quits thinking, I got to go here to get the answers, and this guy can show me how to stop a half guard, and this guy is the wrestling co- Bull crap. The sport's not that complicated. Don't let anybody complicate it for you. It's the first thing that a trainer is going to do when he wants to grab you, right? And trainers a business. You got, you got to have clients. First thing he's going to do is convince you that you're doing something wrong. He has to. He has to convince you're doing it wrong, but he knows the right way to do it, and this is his value. Get on a plane and get out here. Bring your checkbook with you. It's the first thing they have to do. Sport's not complicated. I hit you and you don't hit me. That's this sport. Should we go to the ground? I want to be the guy on top. That's this sport. And it's not about being beautiful and hey, get in here and your hips are here and your toe points this and your hips come in and you look across the shoulder this. Grab a guy and throw him down. Hit him more than he hits you. And sometimes you got to grab a guy and throw him down. That's this sport. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. If you want to support the show, you can head over to Apple Podcasts. You can leave me a review like the one from Swamp Donkey who says this is one of the top two MMA podcasts out there. Well, thank you, Swamp Donkey, but I got to correct you. I think it's the top one. More on Friday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.